Welcome back to another edition of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we are rolling right along. And what book is this again? The Prisoner of Azkaban, babe. It's been a babe. while since we recorded, so I yeah. remember what book we're reading. We're reading Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We finished Chapter 13 last time. We're rolling ahead on Chapter 14 this time. Yes, that's how it works. That's how numbers work. And books. And books. And podcasts. And podcasts, of which we are doing right now. <laughs> I was going to say, Masters of? No. Oh. <laughs> By far. <laughs> a- any uh, any fools can buy a, a microphone off of Amazon and put this stuff together. Is that what we did? That's what I did. And uh, just so you know, as soon as we start recording, I hear squeaking at yes. my feet. Yes. He is literally under the table chewing on his toy just so you know he was on the couch like just chilling and then he got up and came over here so i'm sure it's going to be a great episode i'm sure it's going to have high quality audio uh-huh. for you folks uh-huh. we've been putting out a lot of high quality audio lately one time our microphone wasn't working very well <laughs> i feel last like the episode, there was, character last episode there was a dog fighting ring taking place in our living room Michael, Michael Vick showed up. No, he didn't. Don't lie to people. I would bet that 90% of the people that are listening to this podcast have no idea who Michael Vick is. <laughs> That's not true. Jennifer 80%. knows. Jennifer knows. That's one. <laughs> Kelly knows. That's dose. And there's 80%. You think, uh, Jennifer, speaking of which, in California, you think she's ever been to Muscle Beach? I don't know. I could ask her. Yeah. I was thinking about, somebody mentioned Hurricane Harbor today at school, and I always joke that Hurricane Harbor is akin to Muscle Beach because of all the hard bodies you see there. Yes. We say that in jest, of course. Yes. That's <laughs> definitely not and what I just, you see. just kind of wonder if she'd ever been to the real Muscle Beach. And they, if, it, if it's like it says it is in the movies. I was going to say, is it like in the movies? But I guess that's what you're wanting to know. Yeah, I want to know. Okay. Inquiring minds want to know. Well, I will send her a text. Yeah, or she can email email us broomsticks. Oh yeah, dot she'll, butterbeer she'll listen to this and then she'll hear. Com. Okay, I won't send her a text. That'd be or like spoilers. Tweet us at broomsticks b. And we actually have an email to read at the end. I don't know if you peeked at it or not. I did. It peek seems at seems it. like you were peeking at my notes earlier. Uh, like you texted me a picture of your notes. Well, that was just to show you that I and did. And said notes. we have an email. I wasn't so expecting you to peruse I, them. I zoomed in on the bottom section yeah. so that as a, as a Ravenclaw would do <laughs> to see what the <laughs> email was about. Well, maybe it was a question I needed to put some thought into. Nah. No. Nothing on this podcast you have to put any thought into. You have sent me questions before and said, here, this is what the email's going to say in case you want to think about it ahead I know, of time. I know if I didn't send it to you in advance, you would have been mad at me for not giving you a chance to think. You get mad at me very easily. No, that's not true. It's all in your head. Chapter 13, what we did last time, quick recap. You can let me know what I got wrong in here, as you normally will do. Gryffindor versus Ravenclaw was the name of the last chapter, a.k.a. the Ode to the Firebolt chapter, <laughs> where we droned on and on and, and on, on and on and about on. a broom. There is the sound of tearing flesh <laughs> going on at my feet. Whoa! I'm thinking our dog may have brought in an, a freshly killed animal. No, I thought he brought in a mouse the other night, remember? Well, apparently he's skinning it at our feet right now. Well, as you investigate the possibly dead mouse, uh, rest in in peace, Scabbers, by the way, uh, we'll uh, transition smoothly into what happened in Chapter 13, where we talked about the broom and the broom and the broom. There's drama between Harry, Ron, and Hermione because Hermione's animal, Crookshanks, similar to our animal, Nightwing, 
uh, supposedly ate a rat. And Nightwing is currently skinning a rat at our feet. Cats eat rats. That's what they do. That's that's the nature of the beast. That's the animal kingdom. That's the circle of life. Circle of life. Yes. The circle of life. It's like you didn't like that show I was watching about the white wolves. No, because... (laughs) Because they killed the baby musk oxen. So I don't want the wolves to go hungry, because that's super sad. Yeah. I also don't want a baby to be murdered, (laughs) of another species to be murdered, too. But I know that's that's the way the world has worked for millions of years. (laughs) Literally. (laughs) The way it works. Back to the dinosaurs and whatever came before them. Where goo ate other goo, or... I don't know. We're not trying to get political on this show. Oh. As we, we lost half of our listeners who are creationists here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Not going to get religious. We're not going to get political. Nope. Unless it has to do with Harry Potter. Yes. So speaking of Harry, like we said, Harry and Ron and Hermione are in a weird place right now. Harry's kind of caught in the middle and seems to be siding a little bit more with Ron on the whole Crookshanks Scabbers potential debacle. And I say they bros. And I say supposedly because we haven't gotten you know, we haven't found a body yet. We haven't found Would you though? You'd probably find like um, bones or something. No. No. Nightwing eats animals all the time. We yeah, never find any remnants. Sometimes they come out the, the backside. I've never seen any. And sometimes they get, they get... I found pieces of plastic. And sometimes they get puked And that's up. concerning. The big thing that happened in the last chapter, though, was Sirius Black was back inside Hogwarts, this time brandishing a knife over Ron's bed. <laughs> I almost said something inappropriate when you were making that uh, oh. knifing gesture there. I almost said something about a former professional football player. Who uh, had a, a major trial around 1995 or so. Allegedly. Allegedly, but I digress. I mean, the trial was there. The so. trial did happen, but I, I'm not going to say anything else because we don't want to get political here. We don't want to lose any more listeners. Uh, this time brandishing a knife over Ron's bed, supposedly looking for Harry. Uh, and apparently Sirius got into the Gryffindor common, common room because Neville wrote down every password for the entire week on a piece of paper, which he misplaced and Sirius Black apparently got. So that was chapter 13. That was chapter 13 in a nutshell. So chapter 14, called Snape's Grudge, which couldn't every chapter be called Snape's Grudge? Cause well, he's not he in a, every chapter. He has a grudge against But he's, a, he's in, in the shadows of every chapter, just giving people dirty looks and holding grudges against people. He's a very grudge-holding person. He's very grudgy. Maybe you call him grunge. He is a little grungy if you if if we base it on his his hair in the movies. He look kind of looked like he could have played bass for Nirvana in the mid '90s or something like that. <laughs> but every year it seems like after the events of last chapter, every year it seems like we have to do a sweep of the castle. We have to confine everybody to one place and do a sweep of the castle to rustle out some evil being or evil creature or escaped criminal. It happens every year. Just like a regular thing at Hogwarts. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah, you got nothing to say about no, that. No, I can't. I can't. Like, yeah, yeah, that's can't argue that it. point. Uh, Sir Cadogan has been fired for letting in an escaped murderer. He out. You would think that even if the escaped murderer had the password, <laughs> he still wouldn't let him in. <laughs> he had the password, though, sir. What, what you told me to only let people in who had the password, and he had the password. Hey, the fat lady. all of them. The fat lady's back, too. Yeah. She's been uh, restored, and she's, she's got, got, got some security detail. Now, explain, do, do we know what the security looks like? Because I was... No. I was trying to... I was trying to imagine them in my head, and it said that they had, like, big, like, clubs, mm-hmm. like, caveman clubs, mm-hmm. and they're, like, beating them on their hands. So I'm imagining, like, these uh, Cro-Magnum-type, like, caveman-type guards or, like, troll-type. Well, but see, I'm confused because the troll in the first book... Oh, well, it was a mountain troll, so maybe this ah. is a different type of troll. It could if it was an African swallow! But African swallows are non-migratory. 
Well, shot if you had Monty Python and the Holy Grail on your bingo on your uh, pop culture bingo board there. But so are the are the guards in the painting or outside of the painting? I think they're outside. That's what I thought. We'll have an intern look it up. They're just running around here. (laughs) They were like, they ran past them and they were glaring. I guess they could have been like in other portraits, but I feel like they were outside. They're in other portraits waiting to pounce. Yeah. (laughs) In case uh, the stuff goes down. We need to have one of these interns take our dogs for a walk, by the way. Yeah, while, while we while do this we podcast. Just, but it's kind of cold out. Well, that's what. That's why they're not paid anything to do the grunt work. To get, they're getting college credit though at a nearby university. Oh, okay. The University of Rhino. <laughs> it's not a real college. No. They're not getting any college credit. I don't understand why they're doing this. Ron is now a celebrity, Jessica, having survived an encounter with the evil Sirius Black and living to tell the tale. He is. It's like a first that he's not just Harry's sidekick. Kind of the BMOC. No, he's the big guy, yeah. Big man on campus. So, it kind of begs the question that that some people did bring up, kind of offhandedly in the chapter. Why did Ron survive? Why did Sirius flee when Ron started screaming like a a four-year-old girl? Because according to legend, based on stories we've heard, Sirius has never been afraid to kill any innocents that are in his path on his way to his true mark. Okay, well, my first response was going to be, well, we don't know, Daniel. But maybe, now that you've got me thinking about it, maybe he his when he killed all those people before, said he like blew up half the street, mm-hmm. probably shouldn't blow up a tower. While you're in it. Hmm. He needs more and more tactical with his attacks. Well, he was trying with a knife, but that's not very <laughs> wizardy. No. That kind Does of, he have a wand? It kind Can- of uh, relates to our question that we're going to get about not wizardy at the end of the <laughs> podcast here. That's called a tease, Jessica, here in the in the podcast well, realm. Well, how about a tease? I know why he didn't. You just don't know. Interesting. And I'm just making all this other stuff up. I'm doing a lot of podcasts this week. This is one of three I'm doing this week. Well, you're in very high demand. Well, that's why I'm the podfather. Oh. <laughs> oh, I didn't know. Yeah. Was, what, is this a new award I was, Yeah, I was been? just giving it the other day. I gave it to oh. myself. <laughs> oh, okay. Because I will be appearing on two other podcasts this week, non-Harry Potter related. Could you work some Harry Potterness in? I probably could. Are you, are you going to? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't see why not. Uh, I think pro wrestling and Harry Potter go hand in hand. We've moved on to a different squeaker now. So, Neville Longbottom. Not doing so well oh, in this chapter. I was so sad for Neville. It was his misplacement of the password paper and even having to write down the passwords in the first place that allowed Sirius Black inside the Gryffindor common room. And Neville Longbottom is even more so than normal the laughing stock of the school. So I love Professor McGonagall. Like I just love her. Mm-hmm. She's my favorite teacher. But to, if you ended up on Professor McGonagall's bad side, you man, did something really wrong. That's bad. Because she she she's a little surly at times, but she loves her kids, especially her Gryffindors. Mm-hmm. So you you mm-hmm. must have really messed up. Yeah, you know, almost getting five kids killed. Well, I think he's in the room, too, so he would have been killed, too. Yeah, it's a good thing Ron was there to scare him away. <laughs> <To> scream. <laughs> with his high decibel wail. And speaking of wailing, Neville gets a howler from his grandmother. This oh. is the... This is why you are the podfather. Podfather. Look he, at that transition. It's, smooth, it's amazing. Smooth as silk, baby. Smooth as silk, baby. <laughs> I don't know why I went into 1930s Chicago gangster mode there. But Neville gets a howler from his grandmother, and I believe this is the second appearance of a howler that we've had in the saga so far. Yep. The first one was to Ron. For the the car. uh, Second book? Yeah, stealing the car. Yeah. And Neville, if he didn't feel bad enough already, Grandma says that he's brought shame to the whole family. Shame! Neville's in a... Man... And he's locked out. Like they're he's just not going to give him right the here. passwords anymore. He no. just has to stand there and wait until somebody comes and lets him in or out. And they said it, while he's waiting, he's got the guards like leering at him. And this is all your fault. Mm-hmm. All your fault. 
shame on your whole household. I know he's a little spacey, but I still feel bad for him. I, and I know bad, something bad could have happened in theory, but man, they really do a good job making you feel awful for him in this chapter. Yeah. Uh, Harry and Ron get invited to tea with Hagrid, so that's nice. Yeah. Harry uh, got a, a, a nice letter. And Ron thinks that it's to hear the Serious Black Survival Tale. And of Harry, course. Harry, everyone wants to hear the Serious Black Survival Tale. Harry thinks it's regarding Buckbeak's upcoming trial and the fact that Harry and Ron have gone back on their promise to help Hagrid prepare for said trial. Well, yeah. They, no, they just forgot all about it. Yeah. Forgot. Yeah. But what is it really about, Jessica? Why did Hagrid really want to see the boys for a little tea? For Hermione. It is. On behalf of Hermione, Hagrid is stepping in. She did remember, by the way, and has been helping him. Well, she hasn't been very busy lately, though. But she has. Oh, what's she been doing? All of her extra school work. Oh, you mean like taking every class in Hogwarts? Every class in Hogwarts. And still having time to... To research... Help a friend out. ...case material for Hagrid in the hopes of saving Buckbeak's life? I thought you said something else there. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, God. Let's let's keep it PG, Jessica. Sorry. But the boys, yeah, no, they they got a broom and forgot all about their friends. Yeah, that's what it really, you know, you know, when you get that expensive, uh, boys with their toys, Mm -hmm. you know, when they get that expensive toy, everything else kind of uh, gets put on the back burner. But Hagrid really kind of goes out of his way to let the boys know how badly this whole situation is hurting Hermione and what they're doing and how they're kind of being jerks. Yeah, he he lays it on pretty thick. She was crying. She's doing everything she can for her friends. And he even says the thing of, you know, well, cats, cats are doing what cats do. That's what they do. They eat vermin. Mm -hmm. Most people want them to. That's why they get them. They appreciate Mm -hmm. them keeping the house clear of mice sure. and rats and whatnots sure it's but apparently not ron no it's been uh, hagrid i thought that was really cool of hagrid to with all everything that he's got going on you know with with the trial and potentially that buckbeak could be put down because of the the incident with malfoy at hagrid's very first class <laughs> God. that he takes the time out to look out for one of his friends and Hermione, who's really hurting right now and just wants her friends back. You crying? You tearing up a little bit there? No. Okay. You're going to say it's allergies. A little dusty in here? No. You okay there? I'm okay. Okay. Uh, so that kind of gets the boys to thinking that, yeah, maybe we should kind of reach the olive branch out to Hermione. Maybe Harry, but not Ron. He just wants her to get rid of her cat. Well, He says he'll talk to her again as soon as she gets rid of her cat. But but Ron does feel a little something because when they go back into the castle, it kind of seems like there's a moment there where there's going to be a brief... It seems like there's a small window there to kind of reconcile everything. But, man, Ron and Hermione, to me, over the last couple books especially these two are just like oil and water i mean they don't seem to see eye to eye on anything am i am i off base with that no and it continues for quite a while there's it's it's a little disconcerting it's a little awkward to read that every time these two around each other it's almost like some of those kids that we see at our schools that we work at that Anytime they're around each other, just like anytime they can feel the aura of the other, it's it's Yet they're always together. Right. I get two boys right now, two of the great boys. They sit next to each other at lunch every day, and every day we almost have to stop a fight. It makes no sense. Like, why do you sit by each other? It makes no sense. It's some kind of animal kingdom magnetism. (laughs) That, that we don't understand. Maybe Discovery Channel will do something about it and put it up on Disney Plus okay. somewhere in I'll the future. Okay, I'll keep an eye out. Or maybe that's, maybe that's what I'll do when I retire. I'll do that documentary. Research it. Yeah. But it, it immediately goes awry again, and I think Hermione goes off in tears once again after a, an interaction with the two of them. She, like, scoops up Crookshanks and 
you know, heads off. It's just those two, particularly. And Harry's kind of leaning toward the Ron side a little bit this time. So they're kind of like, you know, in the cartoons with the the good angel and the mm-hmm. devil on your their shoulder on Harry's shoulder. I'm not saying that Ron's the devil, <laughs> but it's not usually, it's Jessica. Usually, you lost enough uh, listeners. If you had the devil on your pop culture bingo card. <laughs> Why is he on there? I don't know. He's uh, th- He's been represented in pop culture over the years by such uh, luminous actors as Adam Sandler and Al Pacino. All right. I'll give you that Two one. of the greatest American actors of all time. But I digress. Okay. You're losing me. But. Ron, kind of. Come yeah, on, get, let's go. Get back on Harry Potter, Jess. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> let's go to Hogsmeade. It'll be fine. And Hermione's like, don't you dare. Mm-hmm. I'll tell. Mm-hmm. Because that's not safe. You can't do that. So I have in my notes that despite everything happening with Sirius and Hagrid and Crookshanks and Scabbers and Hermione, Ron is just all gung-ho about taking Harry back to Hogsmeade. Yeah. That seems a little odd that he Very doesn't odd. get it at all. Neither does Harry, though. It's mm-hmm. not the fact that, well, Ron, maybe I shouldn't because I don't want to die. It's There's that. It, <laughs> he doesn't think about that at all. It's, well, and it actually he doesn't even seem to care that Hermione might tell on him. Mm-hmm. He's just like, just make sure she doesn't find out. It'll be fine. Yeah. And Neville cannot go to Hogsmeade as part of his punishment for the password paper mishap. He, he being Neville, knows Harry is not supposed to be going. So Neville really wants to hang out. Mm-hmm. They're probably one of the very few students in the school. And, you know, you get the famous Harry Potter all to yourself, technically. Really wants to do something find something to do together let's go do this oh i can't harry said he can't i'm going to the library oh i'll go to the library too. probably also this. to kind of make amends and if harry is him are buddies and all's forgiven then maybe everybody else will back off a little bit but harry ditches him doesn't he yep real quick and he does that by saying that he was going to meet him in the library or no, something like No, Snape comes around the corner and tells him that they both need to go back to their common room. Mm-hmm. So they oh, okay, and they go to the common room. And Harry, they get to the portrait, and he says, the password, lets Hun Neville in, and goes, oh, wait, I left something in the library. Ah, uh, that's what And it runs is. back to the library. Uh, yeah, Snape does catch Harry and Neville at the one-eyed witch statue which is the secret passage to hogsmeade that harry is aware of neville is not aware of and snape is not aware of and snape comes very or so sus- we think snape becomes very suspicious of the statue mm-hmm. he's he starts like rubbing on the head and kind of checking uh, it out examining things very closely he seems to be like patrolling that area too and like I said, Harry ditch, like you said, Harry ditches Neville, and eventually Snape, with the help of the Marauders map, because yes. he knew Snape had gone back to his office down in the dungeon. <laughs> and Harry, along with the invisibility cloak, sneaks to Hogsmeade. So we've got Harry under the cloak. We've got Ron in Hogsmeade, and they have a little bit of a run-in with Crab Goyle and Malfoy. Tell us about that. At the Shrieking Shack. Yes. Yes. So they go. Up to the, they don't want to be, it's a nice day, so they don't want to be inside. So they go up to the Shrieking Shack and they're talking. And I was kind of surprised by this. Um, not surprised though, but Ron mentions that friend George tried to get inside, mm-hmm. but they could never manage it. You would think he would could manage, they could manage anything, mm-hmm. but I guess they didn't. But, uh, Malfoy with Crab and Goyle show up and they started kind of making fun of Ron and you know he, he's poor mm-hmm. and well, he's they, alone and, and it's see, an easy yeah and they don't see Harry no Harry's under he's the still invisibility in the visibility cloak, cloak. Mm-hmm. so Harry's an I got this and starts flinging mud at them mm-hmm. and tripping them and Throwing causing sticks all and... yeah sticks causing all kinds of mayhem well. But there's a little bit of a mishap during yeah, that, little, isn't there? Yeah, a little snag. Uh, part of Harry's invisibility cloak comes down, 
and he appears to be just a floating head. Yes, which totally <laughs> reminded me of Scrubs, which we're rewatching right now with floating, floating head, head doctor. doctor. Yes. <laughs> so I had to laugh Put about that all on that. Your bingo boards. Yeah, so Malfoy sees a floating head of Harry, freaks out, goes running, and the race is on. It's basically Harry having to race back to Hogwarts via the secret tunnel. And the secret tunnel is actually takes longer to get to Hogsmeade than the regular road, I guess. Would. Yeah, I thought that was odd. It felt like it was more of a shortcut. But I guess I remember the first time he said he wandered around what seemed like forever. Mm-hmm. More of an indirect path, I guess. Yeah. Well, Harry has to race back. And when he finally does get back, he runs into an increasingly suspicious Professor Snape. And Snape takes Harry to his office. And I had in my notes that he was interrogating him like an 80s cop show. Because <laughs> he was grabbing the, the arms of the chair. Yeah, he like isolated him in a... In a, a, in a scary a spot. Room with, in the dungeon. You know, with his, strange lighting, intimidating yeah. lighting. And he's... He's trying to get, he's trying to incite Harry. He's using negative comments about Harry's dad. He, he knows that Harry is up to something. He knows that Harry has, is doing something that he's not supposed to. And he's mm-hmm. trying to take personal jabs at Harry in order to get Harry to break and admit Slip to up. what he did. Yeah. And that's a cop tactic, you know, that I've seen on many shows. Snape would make a good bad cop. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I think he would. For sure. So he tells Harry to turn out his pockets. And of course, there's some treats from Zonkers in there. Mm-hmm. I, I got those last time. Ron brought them weeks ago. Weeks ago. You've had them in your pocket this whole time, Potter. <laughs> <laughs> and then there's the parchment, mm-hmm. which we all know is the map. It's blank right now. But Snape even knows that there's something odd about that. Why would Harry have just a random... He said it's very old. Mm -hmm. It's odd that he would have such an old piece of parchment. Maybe a new piece. You know, if he's going to go to the library and do his homework or something. But this one is clearly very old. And Snape kind of calls Harry's bluff a little bit and threatens to throw it into the the fire. Mm Mm-hmm. And back it's a reaction. It does. He screams, No! That, that is a dead giveaway. Yeah. <laughs> and Snape tries every incantation he can think of to... <laughs> Which weren't very impressive. Get the map. Reveal thyself! <laughs> uh, show your secrets! Show your secrets to the professor! <laughs> professor <laughs> Snape commands you! I'm like, what? Well, that last one brings up uh, a reaction yeah. to the map. Not the reaction that Snape was hoping no, for. No, not, not a particularly kind reaction. Basically, the creators of the map start making fun of Snape. Yeah, tell him to keep his abnormally big nose out of other people's business. Yeah, there's a lot of insults that the map starts to say, particularly about Professor Snape. And I didn't know that the map had that ability. But I guess I shouldn't be... We're not supposed to trust things that can think if we can't see where their brains are kept. Unless, unless they can help you sneak into to town to get sweets. Oh, then, is that the exception? Yes, and can let you get into mischief without getting in trouble. Hmm. I think that's the other part of that saying. I didn't know that part. Well, we did get we get teases of that there's more to the James Potter saving Severus Snape's Severus Snape's Severus Snape's <laughs> life story than we thought. We heard a little bit of this story from Dumbledore in previous books, mm-hmm. but apparently there's more to it than meets the eye, and Snape takes great pride in. Letting Harry know that his... Bursting his bubble? Yeah. His saintly father may not be as saintly as he thought he is, right? Mm, nobody's really is. I mean, yeah. Never meet your heroes, right? <laughs> Wait a minute, what? 
That's what they always say. I mean, I have heard the saying, but you, we've, well, I guess Harry. Yeah, you have, you have doesn't know his father. Really it it well. kind of fits so because fits you have him. this, you have this thought of of people built up in your head, and we do that with celebrities all the time. We we as a society love to to see celebrities fall. Mm-hmm. We love to see it. I don't know why it's something sick and twisted in our DNA that we love to see these people that are on a higher pedestal than we are mess up and it becomes big news and we read about it and they make movies about it and you know we're enthralled by it i don't know why that is but when you have this built-up image of, of somebody in your head when something happens or you get news that that is not what you thought it was the whole time whether it be a, a family member or a a mentor or, or whatever it is it can crush your world and according to snape when james potter air quotes saved snape's life he was basically doing it just to cover his own tail yeah it started off as like a joke and then i guess they realized it was gonna end really bad and that snape might die and so then he says that james chickens out or gets cold feet doesn't want to get in trouble for snape dying mm-hmm. and um saves him from it so in snape's eyes james potter was a bit of a bully yes yes based on the little bit that we got from the story in this chapter uh, yeah, said that he walked around, strutted around, mm-hmm. and didn't care about the rules, thought he was better than everybody else just because he was good at Quidditch. It kind of goes to, you've always compared the Gryffindors to the jocks. Yes. And that, that sounds like the the prototypical high school jock, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. And kind of picking on the the, the outcast, the, the one who's, you know, strange, the, the goth kid, you know, it's... There's times in this in this story where I'm so mad at Snape <laughs> because of how much of a jerk he is, and then there's times when I that it they they really humanize him, and it it really makes you feel bad. And I think that's a great part about the storytelling in these books is that it makes you feel very few of the characters are are one dimensional. I think that Malfoy, thus far, is uh, Draco. That is, is pretty one-dimensional, and I think Crab and Goyle are as well. But I think almost every other character outside of Voldemort <laughs> is has these layers to them that you really have to peel back in order to understand why they are the way they are and what they could be in the future especially for our young ones who haven't experienced as much but it's really it's really clever in the way the characters are built in these books so Sirius finds like you said the Marauders map but can't seem to get it to work so he calls the the defense against the dark arts teacher because if this is dark magic at work here why not call in the master Professor Lupin for a consult and he summons Lupin uh, <laughs> through the fireplace. Through the fireplace, almost like Lupin, get in here! Like he's summoning uh, a demon from Hades. <laughs> I summon you to my chamber. Lupin kind of shows up. Yeah, you need something? Did yeah, you need me, can I help you? Professor? Uh, Lupin, though, covers for Harry. How does he do that? Um. Well. I think he is familiar. Well, he confirms. He knows Mm -hmm. it's the map. He knows what it is. Mm -hmm. And he knows that Harry shouldn't have it. But he doesn't... He says it's like trick, some trick insult paper he got. It's just insult paper. I'm sure he got it at the joke shop. It's nothing Mm -hmm. dark. It's just kids being kids, basically. But go back to something you said a second ago. After Lupin kind of leads Harry away from danger and Snape. It yeah, comes he, out that Lupin knew the creators of the map. Yeah, he kind of jumps on him and says, you know, I'm not, you aren't supposed to have this. I don't know how you got it, but 
you know, I'm not going to cover for you again, kind of jumps all over him. And yeah, he says that he, he admits that he met, he knows the creators, the creators of the map and that they would want to lure Harry away from the castle and that they would think it was funny. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, it is a map based on mischief. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that could totally be plausible. But go back to something you said a second ago. It's really the first time that we see Lupin have a crossword with Harry, isn't it? Lupin's always been very fatherly to Harry, very protective of Harry, bailing Harry out in, in several situations. But this time, Lupin is not happy with Harry at all. You know, almost, you know, he's saying things like, why would you, you know, the everybody is, you know, trying to keep you safe and you're risking it to go, you know, dilly-dally around in, in Hogsmeade and play around with this map. And we really get to see a, a different side of their relationship, don't we? Yeah, he, like you said, he just hasn't been that stern yet. But with this, and why not? He should be. Anybody should be. Hermione tried to be mm-hmm. that stern about Harry sneaking out and going to Honeydukes, or not just Honeydukes, but Hogsmeade. You know, he should be. Everybody should be upset with Harry about this. There's a lot of things going on in the castle. People are being put out in a lot of different ways. You know, the mentors are all over the place. These creepy trolls are out in the hallway. Pretty much everybody's life has been inconvenienced. I think that could potentially lay the groundwork for fu- the future of the Harry-Lupin dynamic. You know, if, if Lupin is starting to be a little bit more, less patient with, you know, some of the things that Harry's doing. I think uh, Lupin is starting to, to see that things are a lot more serious than even they thought they were before, which was, you know, very serious. And now Lupin has gotten to the point where, you know, I'm not going to bail you out anymore, kid. You know, you're going to have to start taking some responsibility for your actions, and you might have to grow up a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Can't just, you're, you're, the world that we're living in now is a time that, you know, you're, you might have to mature a little faster than you are have expected been. to be. Yeah. A sad note to end the chapter, we get a letter from Hagrid that, he and Buckbeak had lost their trial, and Buckbeak is set to be executed. We get the note from Hagrid with the big, huge tear marks on it. And uh, so, all in all, pretty upbeat, positive chapter. <laughs> oh. Yeah, yeah, a lot of yeah. uh, a lot of joking around. A lot of, well, we went to the joke shop, so we, yeah. Yeah. We had to throw some mud at Malfoy. Yeah, that was fun. Mm-hmm. Got to see some heads floating around. Floating head doctor. Yeah, but it was it was a pretty it was a pretty down chapter, a long chapter, as well. It was. But the, going back to the title, Snape's Grudge, that kind of gives us a little bit more information on why Snape is so rude to Harry. Mm-hmm. You know, we we're starting to kind of peel yeah, back the onion a little bit. He wasn't just trashing James; he was adding all the comparisons. Mm-hmm. Oh, and not, you think you're better than everybody? You think you're above the rules? Mm-hmm. You know, just because you are okay at Quidditch and yep. And Harry has a like, you know, tells him to shut up, and it really fires back at at Snape quite a bit. Mm-hmm. But Harry's very emotional about his parents because of the way they died you know they they gave their lives for him and they gave their lives to the dark lord himself and it's uh it's a very sensitive subject for harry and snape knows that snape Mm -hmm. knows what 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 buttons to push Mm -hmm. but we find out more about that you know snape has a maybe some i don't like i said there's ever valid reasons for bullying a child but he has he has his own emo- emotional yeah. trauma yeah exactly exactly because but as teachers aren't allowed to have emotional no, trauma teachers aren't allowed to have that the kids the kids are but but we're not mm-hmm. uh anything you want to add you want to get into the email uh let's get into the email all right the email comes from stacy in salt lake city 
And you can always send us your emails, broomsticks.butterbeer at gmail.com, or tweet us at broomsticksb on Twitter. And she writes, Hi, Dan and Jess. I just started listening to your show, and I love it. Oh, I had a weird question about the students at Hogwarts. Why do they write with quills and inkwells? Wouldn't pencils and pens be easier? Is it a tradition thing or a refusal to rely on muggle inventions? Now, I had never thought about this. But I would imagine that it is pretty darn hard to constantly be writing with a quill and ink. Hence, the ballpoint pen was invented so that we did not have to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, I can't even imagine going through school having to have ink and a quill and worry about it spilling and worry about it blotting and constantly having to dip it. Why don't they just use pens and pencils at Hogwarts? Um, I don't think there's just one reason. I mean, yes, the wizards are drastically behind on technology, mm-hmm. but like pencils are not yeah. that far, you know, not that a recent development. Yeah. We don't think about pencils as advancements in technology because here when we're recording this, we think of any, some, anything to do with computers in it. But when the pencil and the ball, especially the ballpoint pen was invented, it was kind of a game changer, you know, for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't think of, and we think of like, you know, lined paper and stuff like that as, as opposed to parchment, mm-hmm. you know, and notebooks and, you yeah, know. They do scrolls. I think it's just, I think J.K. Rowling just wanted to set a theme, a tone, and this was her theme is they used all these old things. We use parchment and we use, but it's also just part of the magic of it. I mm-hmm. think, you know, when somebody's writing in a spell book with a quill, Mm-hmm. Much more in a castle. In a castle, <laughs> much more interesting than scribbling in a notebook with ballpoint pen. Ballpoint pen, a lot easier though. Yeah. When I was, I re- bet Arthur Weasley uses ballpoint pens. When I was reading the books, I think I, s- I had my Kindle, but I didn't want to read them on my Kindle. Because that wasn't magical. Having a big fat book in your lap was. Mm -hmm. So I think that's just part of it. The the feeling. It's you're completely immersed this Mm -hmm. way. There's nothing pulling you out with. Oh, you got a text on his phone. No. I used to read the newspaper all the time. Um, You know, the actual paper that we used to get. And then when it got. It got so expensive that we stopped getting it. But I could read it on my phone for free anytime I want. But I don't. Because it's not the same to me. So I, I get what you're saying. There's something about there's something about holding it in your hands. And I guess this kind of relates to that. Is there's something about the good old days. There's something about hearkening back that, kind of, that makes it feel different. Yeah. I think know? she just wanted to pull you completely into this magical world. Mm-hmm. I mean, even like uh, even like before DVRs and and even VCRs were invented, like programmable VCRs. If you wanted to watch something on TV, you better be in front of the TV at that time. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, it was like a family thing. You know, everybody wanted to watch something; they would all get together and and watch it because that was your only chance to do it. And there's there there's something cool about that. You know, there's something. The kids today won't get that. They think it's stupid. But we're kind of that generation where, you know, we're that, the, I, you know, ge- Generation X. Now they're calling us Xennials because we're in that, that, that middle area where we didn't grow up with the crazy technology, but we were young enough at the time that we could adapt to it. But I, there's still when, when, you know, that's why nostalgia is so big right mm-hmm. now you know and they're re-releasing uh, all these tv shows that we watched growing up and these you know movies that they're they're rebooting that we watched growing up and like the old video game systems they're they're re-releasing and because it it makes makes it feel different you know it feels like a simpler time it feels like 
you know, the world wasn't so crazy back when we were, you know, doing those things and playing with those games. And, you know, I could, it's a small thing to have, I guess, a pencil or, or a ballpoint pen. They, J.K. Rowling probably could have easily have done that and it wouldn't have changed the story one bit. But there is something cl more classic. There is something uh, more regal about the, the quills and the inkwells, mm. if that makes sense. It does. And I think a lot of, I mean, you're, what you're saying is like the nostalgia, but this is, I mean, we don't have nostalgia for ballpoint, or for quills, because we, mm -hmm. we never wrote with them. But I think that's, just like almost just the opposite because it's so foreign to us mm -hmm. it seems like yeah like a magical object yeah. it's like oh how did they do oh, that that's, that's a class <laughs> it's classy it's it's complicated mm -hmm. we didn't i don't know how they did it yeah and and so it just looks cooler to us sure and i like the concept of you know wizards dueling and stuff like that people used to have duels all the time mm -hmm. where they really killed each other and then just walked away <laughs> and didn't get in trouble for it. You know, that's, that's the, you know, this like other, almost seems like it, like it, like, like another world that this stuff happened yeah, on, but it was so really unfamiliar to yeah, us. Yeah, but it was really like, you know, hundred years ago that, that this stuff, 150 <laughs> years ago that this stuff happened. So plus Daniel, just think about they got all these owls laying around, like all these feathers. Mm -hmm. What are they going to do with all these feathers? That's true. That's true. Uh, maybe recycle. Yeah, that's. I think that's what they're yeah. doing. They're recycling, a, repurposing these these feathers that are everywhere. That's yeah, the wizarding world of uh, recycling. Mm -hmm. What would be one invention that you would, if you were a professor at Hogwarts, what is one Muggle invention that you would have to have? Is there one Muggle invention that you would need to have on the premises? at Hogwarts for you to survive as a Hogwarts professor. Is it like a copy machine? Is it like, you're not a coffee drinker, but I know a lot of mm. teachers would say they'd have to have their, uh, what's the, the Keurig? <laughs> <laughs> oh, gotta have, gotta have my, gotta, 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 get, gotta get, have my Keurig. Anything that comes to mind? Laminating machine? <laughs> no. I mean, I feel like, like, I would want my computer because I'm just more, com I feel like I could type out a lot mm -hmm. on a computer faster than I could write it out on, a and then it would be saved, mm -hmm. too, yeah. up in the cloud, so you know. So you'd have to have, Go like, Google, yeah. Google Drive. <laughs> but at the same time, want. I don't want it because that would ruin I would have to have my, my projector, my Promethean board. Your Promethean board. Because <laughs> I've got, I've. But I'm, you could just wave your wand and it would all appear. I, but I'm old enough to, to know how to teach without it. But now that I've had it for the last you know, 13, 14 years of, of teaching, I'm, I'm relied on it. I was like, listen, I'll be your defense against a dark arts teacher, but I'm going to need you to bring in a Promethean board. <laughs> and I got to tell you, the bulbs to replace them are kind of expensive, but that, I mean, that's, that's a deal breaker for me. I'm going to need it. <laughs> In order to uh, in order to do my job to the best of my abilities, and Jess needs Google Drive <laughs> in order to save her stuff as she's typing. Yes, I need to have it saved all the time and be able to get to it from anywhere. That's just that mm -hmm. that I love. That is nice. I can type stuff at home. I can type it on my phone, and I can pull it up at school, or I can pull like, it up. Oh, I left it in my room. That's okay. I'll just pull it up on my Google Drive. Yep. <laughs> there you go. I got it. So that was chapter 14, Snape's Grudge. Uh, we are going to, uh, we're getting kind of toward three-fourths of the way through this book. I think we're getting there. I think that's where... Uh, I don't think we'll get it finished like we, I think in the past we've like kind of finished over Christmas break a couple of times. I don't know that's going to happen. Oh, well, you know, as we record this in 2019, it is almost Christmas time. It is beginning of December, so... If you're listening to this as it comes out, Merry Early Christmas and uh, Happy Holidays and Happy Hanukkah coming up. Hanukkah is like in a couple weeks, I think. Kwanzaa is, starts the day after Christmas, I believe. And um, 
If I forgot you, I apologize. I'm not trying to get religious here on Broomsticks and Butterbeer. Yeah, you said that at the beginning. Uh, we have 22 chapters. And this Left? Week. Oh, no. my goodness. No, total. We're going to be done. Total. Oh my We're on chapter 14. <laughs> oh, and we okay. have 20. There are 22 total. I almost said 22 left. Don't say that. <laughs> I was looking at these 22 books total. Uh, on, on my shelf at in my library today. And I just, I had them all lined up. I got the new covers, the uh, the Brian Selznick covers, and I got them all lined up. They look really cool on the on the shelf next to each other. Mm-hmm. But they just get progressively bigger <laughs> as as they go on. And I just saw one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, and they just they get increasingly thicker as they go on, just like people do. Mm-hmm. As they get older, that makes sense. Progressively thicker. So J.K. Rowling is uh, operating on an entirely different level here. She's being very, uh, very, very meta here about her writing. As we age, we get bigger. Yes. What was it? Olaf's song. Our metabolism. I'll understand it when I'm older. Yeah. When I'm older. <laughs> so hopefully we will uh, understand. This book, as we get to the uh, toward the end of it, because there was a lot of unanswered questions here, and only about eight chapters left. So that has been this episode, chapter fourteen of Broomsticks and Butterbeer. We will see you next time with chapter fifteen. Until then, like I said, uh, thank you for downloading, listening, and subscribing, and spreading the word. Please stay in touch with us so we can uh, interact with you on social media and read your questions and comments on the air. Until next time, I am Dan Rhino. I'm Jessica Rhino. And we'll see you then. Bye.